Um, and um, we do our best to do that every week because I know that it's not going to do you no good. Nobody here, I promise you, if I get up here and you hear me, you're going to leave here. You ain't going to benefit nothing from it. You don't need to hear from me. Uh, we've heard too much from men down through the years. Uh, we need to hear from God. And I, I honestly, um, uh, sometimes I wish some of our people would understand what this pastor goes through with and the battles that I fight to present to you something fresh and something new. Uh, I don't. I don't search the internet to seek other men's messages to take them and adapt them to suit me. I don't. I don't look to other men. But when I know I got to stand here before you, I go before the one who called me, the one that set me apart for this. Having said that, there are different times that God really stirs my spirit when I am praying and trying to prepare for a message. And this is one of those times. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's go to this one, brother. Hallelujah. I feel a strong, urgent word from God today. That some people that are here, God knew before I did that you're going to be here. I had no idea who's going to be here. I have no idea what the needs are. But I promise you today that um, this word is for somebody in the house, maybe more than one. We're going to go to the book of John's Gospel, chapter 4, to a very familiar passage of Scripture. I will try to get you out here in a timely matter, but I'm not going to rush this word today because I feel an urgency. John, chapter 4. And we're going to read uh, verse, verses 1 through 7. It says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground, that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. It was around noontime by our time. Verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And that seventh verse is the text that we're going to be focusing on today. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, 
give me a drink. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to you today, we thank you and we praise you for this service. We thank you for your spirit that has permeated the place. And now I'm asking God that you will anoint me, God, with the ability to speak what you have put in my heart to deliver today. I pray, God, for the hearts and the ears of the people here today, that those will pick up and receive what it is that you want to hear from them today. In Jesus' name, let the church say, before you sit down, before you sit down, I want you to look at somebody standing close by you, and I want you to ask them a question. What could you possibly give Jesus? Hallelujah. Amen. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise. What could you possibly give Jesus? Jesus told the Samaritan woman, give me. This instance, he said, a drink. The story of the woman uh, who Jesus met at the well in Samaria is one of the most well-known and I'm probably well preached stories in all the four Gospels. Many rubies have been dug from this priceless mind of divine truth. But I always like to go back over the verses which have uh, given us so much value and instruction in the past to kind of sift through, as it were, gems which maybe I previously overlooked or simply uh, uh, failed to unearth. Uh, I don't care what Scripture in the Bible it is, how many times it's being preached. Uh, the Word of God is so great and so powerful, there's going to be always deeper things there, greater things of value, deeper uh, hidden jewels that has not been uncovered. Uh, and so, although I have used these, this text here, the Scripture, Yet I'm not preaching the same message. I have never preached this message like I'm going to preach today. As I was reading this timely passage, a question just kind of popped out of the pages of God's Word and quickened a thought concerning my unworthiness and my overall inability to actually give anything to Jesus of value and of worth. You see, some people they they think of themselves more highly than what they should, you know, as the word says. But when I contemplate the glory of God and what He has been to me and what He's done for me, and I look at what I am and who I am apart from Him, apart from His grace, apart from His saving power, I realize my unworthiness. I realize my inability to actually give anything to Jesus of value and worth. How in the world can Samuel Pruitt ever think, here's the creator of the universe that made anything. How in the world could I ever think that I would ever possibly have anything that I could give to God? That's where I'm coming from, and that's what came off the pages of God's holy writ into my spirit. You see, my righteousness, the Bible tells me, is filthy rags in His sight. 
the best that I can live, the best that I can do, the best that I can dedicate myself, the best that I can sacrifice myself, it still stinks and it's, it's filthy rags in God's sight. My mind is filled with the vile and con, uh, uh, con- contemptibleness of Adam's sin. Even my desires are centered around my pleasures, my lust, and my pride. What could I give Jesus? What could I give Jesus? A a mere mortal man, flesh and blood, came from the dust, and one day will go back to that dust. What could I give Jesus? Water? No. No. That's not what he wants. You see, he created water. Why would I offer that to him? He's the one who created it. He's the one that filled the earth with it. Hallelujah. So, uh, when Jesus was sitting there at the well... I want you to know something. He wasn't sitting there waiting for just anybody to come by to give him some water because he was thirsty. Because I know he was more than a man. He was the creator, the mighty God. He could have, he didn't have no problem getting the water out of that well even though he didn't have the rope to draw with. He was the well. He wasn't just Waiting for somebody to come by that he could ask them, I sure am hot and thirsty. Would you mind giving me a glass of water? Draw me some water. That's not why he was there in the first place. That's not why he needed to go through Samaria. Because Jesus in his divine capacity, that part of him that was God, knew that there was going to be a woman coming by hot and thirsty, needing a drink of something. Hallelujah. And he sat there and waited for her because he knew that there was somebody, not just anybody, coming. And that same God today, You may think you're here by accident or happenstance. Maybe somebody invited you. But I believe everybody's in this house today. You're here on divine appointment. Hallelujah. I believe our steps are directed by God. Hallelujah. And so, he's been waiting, if you please. Waiting for us to gather into this place. To give us something that we need. There are some things we all have. I want to tell you now. What could I possibly give Jesus? What could you possibly give Jesus? There are some things that we all have which He desires to take. Things that we really don't want and need. Things that would make our lives so much better if we would only give them up to Jesus. What could I give Jesus? The answer is not really hard. Number one, there's some people today, and probably some people under the sound of my voice, that needs to give Jesus the bitterness of life. 
Acts chapter 8, verse 23. Peter told Simon the sorcerer, For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. There are some people today... Although they profess Christianity, although they attend Sunday services, yet there's some bitterness in their life. There's some bitterness in their heart because of the things that they've had to go through with and endure down through life. Hallelujah. Amen. And I believe if Jesus was to materialize right here in front of you today, he would tell you one thing that you could give him. He would say, give me your bitter spirit. Give me your bitterness of life when you have been around the block a few times in life and have encountered, having been wronged by people. You are apt to become bitter at those who have hurt you. And I know I'm preaching truth whether I get an amen or not. Hallelujah. But once when you have lived life for a while and you've been around that block more than once, hallelujah. Amen. We have been hurt by people. Lord and God, we've had people do us wrong. Hallelujah. The woman at the well most likely was bitter at the other women of the village because she came to draw water at a time she knew the other women weren't going to be there. Did you know that? If you study the customs uh, of the people that day, and I have a book about customs and things of, uh, of the people back in the times of Christ. High noon was not the time that the it was the women's. I know I, we get a little upset today when we start talking about women's j- uh, jobs, but uh, 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 but anyway, drawing water was a women's woman's responsibility back in the days of Jesus. You go to the Middle Eastern countries today, and you can see women walking down the the, the still the same dusty roads carrying jugs of water. Some of them would carry them on top of their head. Uh, but they didn't do it at noontime. It was the hottest part of the day. They didn't do it then. But yet this woman came. She came at a time that she knew the other ladies in the town weren't going to be around. And I, I, I got a sneaking suspicion Hallelujah. That because of her life and because of the things that she had been caught up with down in her life, she had been hurt a lot by people. And she may have had some bitterness in her spirit and heart because she heard some of the bad words that were said about her. She she was upset because she never got invited, amen, to the ladies um, get together on the block. She wasn't invited for this and wasn't invited for that. Hallelujah. She wasn't invited to be a part of the ladies uh, or dinner in the church. Hallelujah. She had to have some pit up bitterness down in her spirit. Hallelujah. She just didn't want to be around. She didn't want to be insulted no more. She was a sinner, yes. But even though she was a sinner, she had feelings. She was a human being. 
she had feelings that the other good women didn't mind hurting. She was tired of the abuse, the ridicule, and the mockery. She had always been on the receiving end of. Hallelujah. I know I'm preaching to somebody here this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. She had been the butt of every joke. Church, we got to realize something. That even that prostitute walking down the street is a human being. She's got a soul that Jesus died for. She don't need the ridicule of the church. Hallelujah. She don't need to be walking down the street when we dismiss our services and overhear a little group of people standing outside and say, there's another one of them sluts walking down the road. Hello, somebody. Glory. How in the world... Are we ever going to help somebody? How are we going to win somebody to Christ if we're all time putting them down? Hallelujah. Like Dwight Moody said when he walked the streets of Chicago at Skid Row and he saw the drunk and the, and the wine holes laying in the curb in the gutter. He says, there lays Dwight Moody except by the grace of God. And I'm here to tell you, every man and every woman in this building, you've got, you was born with a sin nature that you had the possibility that you could have become a murderer. You could have been a, a prostitute. You could have been a drug. And some of us have been in the thing before we come to Christ that we don't want to talk about now. Hallelujah. She was tired of all the things that she had been having to put up with. Listen to me, church. Now, you can take this story. and you, uh, Your situation might not fit exactly in line with hers, but I feel feel like that we can apply this to various situations in our own life. You see, bitterness always comes out of a heart of unforgiveness. Hallelujah. It's impossible for you to be bitter at somebody if you've forgiven them. When we carry unforgiveness in our heart for anyone, I want you to know something, folks. If I, no matter what they've done to you and they've hurt you and they treated you unjustly, I'm going to tell you something. If you carry unforgiveness in your heart, you know what? That person has got control over you. That person has got control over your life. You've got no peace. You have no joy. You have no happiness because you allow someone else to hold you hostage. You allow something that somebody has done to you hold you hostage. And then... Bitterness will soon creep in. Make it, that's why he said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. When we get uh, things within us like that, we've got to quickly resolve it and take care of it. We have to forgive people whether or not they ask us to or not. 
Because if we don't, then bitterness is going to creep in, making you sometimes even physically sick. I'm not preaching Acts 2.38, but I'm preaching truth this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember being in service one time, there was a prayer line going on. And they were praying for people's diseases and stuff. And one, one person came up and stood in the prayer line asking for prayer, and they was going through a, a, a great physical problem. And they wanted for the ministry to anoint them with oil and pray for them, and God would just instantly, miraculously heal them and deliver them. But when they got up, well, it was their time to have the man of God pray for him. The Spirit of God spoke through the man of God and gave him a word of knowledge to speak to him. And says, God says, if you go home and you pick up the phone and you call that friend that you had for 20 years, but you ain't spoken to for the last 10 years, and you tell him you forgive him, God says he'll heal you. You know what he did? He turned around and just marched out of there. Oh, what is that preacher? No, I didn't come to hear all that. I come to get healed. You know what he's showing? He's showing why he can't get healed. He's showing exactly why he can't get healed. When we have bitterness in our life about any kind of situation, it will bring these things down on us. Hallelujah. When this occurs, you have been poisoned by bitterness. That's what the Scripture said there. I read to you, for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness. We allow our life literally become poisoned because we fail to forgive and we harbor unforgiveness in our hearts. It always comes out of heart of unforgiveness. When we carry it, they control us. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. He said, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one shall see the Lord. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Hallelujah. Come here, Paul. I'll always pick on you. Hallelujah. You come to me about five years ago and says, Hey, preacher. I got this great business venture. I see, I see the potential for us both to make a whole lot of money. I got the idea. I got the plan. But I don't have the capital. Now I know you one of them apple, I know you one of them apostolic preachers and all of them's got money. Is that right back there, brother? <laughs> He's shaking his head this way. 
<laughs> he shaking his head this way. He says, I, I, I need some capital. And so if you, if you can come up, if you can come up with, say, 50000 to invest, we'll split this thing down the middle and I'll run it and we'll, I'll, I'll get that. I says, all right, brother, we're going to shake on that. Hallelujah. And he walks away, go ahead, for $50,000 of my money. It's a miracle that if I had $50,000, it's a miracle if I could ride 50 cents to give him. Hallelujah. Then, a week passed, two weeks, a month, two months, half a year. I don't hear from him. And then somebody calls up, and I'm talking to somebody. I said, man, I said, I, said, I know you, you knew Paul. And, uh, I said, have you seen her? He said, hey, last thing I know that they, uh, they done bought a, bought a ticket and, and cruising somewhere down the Bahamas. Hallelujah. I said, oh, my. Oh, my. And then... A couple of years later, he comes to me. He said, Brother Sammy, I said, man, I'm sorry. I did you wrong. He says, there's no humanly possible way that I could ever pay you back. He says, I just, you know, skipped out on you. I want you to forgive me. Well, according to what I'm preaching myself in a corner to right now, <laughs> I got to forgive him. Because if I don't, I'm going to come bitter, especially over $50,000. So I forgive him. But now, I, I brought this illustration so I don't want nobody to misunderstand nothing. I honestly, before God, forgave this man's debt. But what I'm teaching and what the Bible says does not mean that I have to trust him anymore. Forgiveness does not mean trust. Some people mix themselves up and they set themselves up for further hurt. If somebody has proved time and time again not to be trustworthy, you love them, you forgive them, you treat them right, you treat them fair, but that don't mean you have to trust them. I may lay down and sleep in the same room with you, brother, but I'm going to keep one eye open looking your way. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm telling you truth today. We need to, we need to, we need to understand the, the, the truth about God's Word about these things. Hallelujah. I mean, we're always going to run across people that can't be trusted. Now maybe, you know, one of these days you got to get a hold of them and save them and deliver them, and I hope and pray they do. But you know, you and I have got to forgive them, and we got to pray for their salvation. But that don't, that don't mean that we have to just, uh, just openly and just, and just follow and believe everything they say no more. 
I, I, if I had time, I could show you that even the Bible says that people in the church are supposed to prove themselves. Hallelujah. When we ordained our deacons around here, we went through a period. We didn't, I just didn't come up on Sunday morning and say, it's time for us to, uh, to, uh, to get a good deacon ministry going here, and we're going to ordain these men right here and right now. We put them under the watch care of the church. Amen. Because the Word of God talks about these people, men in office. Amen. They're supposed to prove themselves. The Bible says you're supposed to know them who labor among you. And if I, if I let any Tom, Dick, and Harry come in here and put them over this or put them over that until the Spirit of God gives me an approval and they prove themselves, then I'm setting this church up for destruction. And I know because of my stand on that, I got certain standards that I hold to. Amen. Anybody just, anybody just don't hold a position here or this or the pato. And people say, oh man, brother Sammy, it's hard about that. I, listen, God has got me the shepherd of this flock and I've got to watch out for the wolves because there's plenty of wolves out there who will destroy you in a New York minute. Hallelujah. Brother Paul, I forgive you. But next time you, you need some money for a business venture, talk to Brother Darrell there. Hallelujah. Glory. Bitterness. If you got bitterness in your life, you can give it to Jesus. He'll take it away, and you will feel set free like a bird out of a cage. I know by facts. I know by experience. Hallelujah. If you just give that bitter spirit, hallelujah, give it to Jesus this morning. You'll be a new man, a new woman. I've got to hurry on. There's something else that I definitely, and I might not get the whole message done today, but I want to get this part in. God dealt with me very strongly about this. Something else that we can give Jesus this morning, that's our burdened souls. Our burdened souls. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come unto me, all ye who are laboring and are heavy laden. I want to read that same text again uh, in, a, in, a, in a modern translation. That I, I, got a, I got a Bible back here that's got 26 different translations to it. And this is, the, the, this is called the Bible in basic English. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Listen. Come to me, all you who are troubled and weighed down with care, and I will give you rest. God told me in my spirit that there's a lot of burdens represented here today. There's a lot of people that are troubled. They're weighed down. We need to understand that these, listen, these heavy burdens and cares of this life come from your adversary, not the Lord. Follow me now just for a moment. All the burdens and cares of this life 
comes from Satan. They do not come from God. And whether or not you're, you're going to believe this next statement, pastors are going to tell you, no, that's, I'll leave it up to you, but this is what God placed in my heart and spirit. God is not trying to make you grow spiritually by taking your job away, by cursing your finances, or by troubling your family life. Follow me close. God is not trying to make you grow spiritually or any other way and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to snatch his job. I'm going to lay him off. Or I'm going to put a curse on their finances. No matter what they do, they ain't going to be able to seem to make ends meet. Or I'm going to just stir up trouble into their family and through their household. I'm just going to cause all kind of confusion and havoc and everything. I'm here to tell you, if you're experiencing any of those things, those experiences is not coming from your God. They're coming from the devil. Hallelujah. You see, it comes from the destroyer of souls. He hopes to get you so bogged down with the cares of this life and the circumstances that you, that you uh, overlook the important thing of being ready when the Lord comes. He wants to keep your life so bound down and oppress you. Now, I know some people look at this different. I don't see where they get it. But I don't believe somebody Holy Ghost filled can be demon filled at the same time. Hallelujah. But the devil can put a spirit of oppression on you to weight you down, to burden you down. And he uses troubles in the family. He uses financial things. He uses, amen, all these other things, amen, to put so much pressure on you, amen, that you don't feel like that you can make it another day. Because if they, if you're fighting that, then you get your mind and main focus off the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to understand that these heavy burdens and cares of this life come from your adversary, not the Lord. Luke chapter 21 and 34, Jesus says, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. Now, the devil, he don't have much progress with Holy Ghost-filled people that are really Holy Ghost-filled people carousing around and, and drunkenness and all that. But this last one is what he really lays on people of the church, the cares of this life. And the reason for it is that that day come upon you unawares or unexpectedly. Hallelujah. If you are carrying around a heavy load today, no matter what it is, give it to Jesus. If you're carrying burdens today, troubles in your life, give it to Jesus. What could you possibly give Jesus? He says, give me your 
bitter spirit. Hallelujah. Give me your burdens and your cares. He said, take my yoke upon you. He said, because my burden is light. Hallelujah. That's one way for you to know whether or not the burdens you're carrying are from God or the devil. God does not try to weigh nobody down. He does not try to stomp nobody down. Hallelujah. And he just covers us up. We get buried by circumstances. It becomes difficult. It becomes hard. We come to God's house and we want to worship, but we instead we weep. We begin to question because we don't have answers. But God says, if you got some burdens this morning, give them to me. You can give him your burdens. He'll take them. He'll take them. Let me end. I'm going to quit with my third one, and, and I'm going to go through this quickly. There's, there's another thing that we can give to Jesus, and that's bondage to fear, or bondage of fear. Romans 8 and 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out by Father. Hallelujah. Listen to me, church. Fear, worry, nervousness, and anxiety has taken over the hearts and minds of millions of people today. I can remember the I can remember the time in my life, and I'm not I don't I don't consider myself an old man. I'll be I'll soon do, in September I'll, I'll turn uh, what is it fifty six? I don't even know. Hallelujah, fifty six. But I can rem, I can remember a time that stress was a word that you never heard nobody talk about. You didn't hear about stress and stressful life. But things has changed now. Fear, worry, nervousness, anxiety has taken over the hearts and minds of millions of people around the world. If you ever was a sign of the end time, that's a sign of the end time. Luke 21, 26, Jesus says, Men's heart failing them from fear and from the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Hallelujah. There's a lot of stuff flowing, just bubbling up with me right now. Uh, but I, I'm holding myself back because I want to get through this. If an American president can stand and address a nation, and when I make this say, a lot of you, especially our, our older ones, are going to recognize this. But if an American president can stand and address the nation in the time of the greatest crisis and trouble that America has ever seen and make this statement, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Then I think, I think Holy Ghost filled children of the Almighty God can stand and say, my God is greater than anything. My God is greater than anything. My God is greater than anything. 
sickness, greater than a circumstance, greater than the trouble, greater than the trial. Listen to me. Fear is a child of Satan. If you have it, it was the devil who give it to you. Even Satan knows that you can't have faith and fear at the same time. And he knows without faith you can't please God. It's not that what the book says, without faith it's impossible to please him. So the devil loves to use fear. If you got fear today, worry, anxiety, or nervousness over anything, give it to Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, give it to Jesus. You got nervous problems? You got fear, anxiety? Don't go see the shrink. Give it to Jesus. Save that hundred and something dollars an hour and donate it to our building. Hallelujah. Give it to Jesus. If you got nervousness, don't rely on Valium. Give it to Jesus. You know, those nerve pills that you take, it takes you out of this world into another world. But when you finally get back down and you wake up, everything's just like it was for you. Took your trip. Hallelujah. Glory. Too many people, too many people get drugged up rather than hooked up with Jesus. Hallelujah. I want Brother Darrell to be getting a course ready. What can you give to Jesus? A whole lot of what you don't need. That's exactly what you can give to Jesus. Look at another neighbor and say, give it up. Give it away. Give it to Jesus. Hallelujah. The only thing I'm saddened about at the close of this message is to my inability to be able to preach it as powerful and as strong as God put it in my spirit because I know that I've given you today a word from God that He's concerned over some people. And as Brother Darrell leads us in a course, let's not think about the clock on the wall just for a few minutes. Don't, don't carry your luggage back out with you. Some people come in here today dragging all their luggage, their bitterness, their burdens, their fears, and their bondages. Before you leave today, won't you come up and just kneel around these altars somewhere and just say, Lord, I've got something to give you. They ain't never done me no good. 
I'm going to give them to you and let you do with them whatever you want to do. I'm tired of dragging them around. Hallelujah. I want freedom. I want to live my life the way you intended me to live my life, and that's to have, have it life and have it more abundantly to enjoy my life, to enjoy my salvation. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes some of these things, all we need to do is just to think back. If we're going through a trouble and, and, uh, and, and we're really all upset, and maybe there's unforgiveness or whatever, whichever situation may be. Sometimes all we need to do is just back up a little bit, put it in reverse, and remember some of the past experiences we've had with God. And see if that don't bring a little joy into our heart. Like that's course of saying, when I think of the goodness of Jesus. Sometimes we've got to just get out of what we're in right now. I, I remember a story, Brother Travis, of a, a lady, a housewife. She woke up one Saturday morning. She could smell sausage and, and waffles being cooked. She heard the sound of her husband and, and two, two children down in the kitchen. And she jumps up, puts on her robe, and runs downstairs and Man done had the breakfast all fixed, and man, she was that she was so tickled that uh, she just goes right over there and pushes her husband down there in the kitchen chair and just and just flops right in his lap and just started kissing on him and hugging him and telling how much she appreciated that kind of thoughtfulness. But uh, about five five thirty in the afternoon, and everybody gets home. One of the little boys, it's amazing how, how children can really teach us something. And uh, came home from first grade and went in, and uh, Mom and Daddy was in the kitchen. But this time, Travis, it was some of that intense fellowship you talk about sometimes. And uh, Mama, she was really telling Daddy a few things. And so the little boy just walks up and she start, he starts pulling on Mama's skirt tail. Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. Finally she stops. She says, what, son? She said, he, and he said, just remember how good you felt when you were sitting in, my, in Daddy's lap earlier. Hello. Hello. Sometimes we just have to let God carry us back and to remind us of a few things. Let's stand up.